What up, everybody? It's Dan Greer with Leading from the Middle of the Pact. I'm coming at you today to talk a little bit about why you have to take action. Nobody else can do it for you, and uh, nobody else is going to change your life. You're the only one who can actually change it, and so you have to be the one that takes action and changes your life. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk a little bit about how to really set your life up for success and how to grow and how to start taking that action and how it kind of snowballs. So we're going to jump into the theme song. We'll be right back in just a second. The big question is this, how are leaders like us who aren't necessarily in a management position, who go out and get our hands dirty, who are ready to answer their calling from God to lead, who are driven to learn and grow, gain the trust and respect of those around us, to actually be heard while not coming across as an authoritative prick? These are the questions, and this is the podcast that will give you the answers. Hi, my name is Dan Greer, and welcome to Leading from the middle of the pack. Sweet, so glad you guys are still here. This is Dan, again, with Leading from the Middle of the Pack. Super stoked that you guys are here and so excited to be talking about like taking action today because I gotta tell you, there was a time in my life when I wasn't really a good action taker. All right, if I if we like rewind in life back probably about, oh, I don't know, let's say, uh, man, 10 years ago, I, I was not very good at taking action. Like I thought I was a leader. I thought I was in the right place. I thought I was doing the right things. I thought I was taking action, but I look at what I do today compared to what I did then. And, and, um, I was not taking action. Like I was still doing stuff. Don't get me wrong, but I was not taking action. It was very limited action. It wasn't very broad. Um, a lot of you that know me know a little bit about my story. You know where I came from, you know what I do. And you knew that I grew up and still live in the middle of the country. Like if I look out my window today, I can see one house and that house is over a half a mile away. If I turn the other side, I can see like three houses and they're all at least a quarter mile away. So we live in the country and I love it. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, with that being said, a lot of people who grow up in the country are natural born action takers. And the reason for that is, is because you don't have any option. You have to take action in order to grow and succeed. Well, at least you used to, right? Like if, if you're going to be a farmer or a rancher, nobody else is going to go change water for you in the morning. You have to be an action taker and get up and go change that water. If you're going to be a rancher and you're going to raise cows, nobody else is going to get out and feed those cows in the morning in the middle of winter. You have to get out and do it no matter what. And so we kind of grew up learning how to take action, but I didn't realize um, how much that was setting me up for success in the future by, by, by learning how to take that action. And, um, the, what, what I found is as I get older, I'm actually better at taking action. Now, not everybody is like this. I know a lot of people who, as they get older and get into their 40s and mid 30s and even sometimes in their mid 20s, they stop taking action. They get scared. They get petrified. And so they get overwhelmed and then they don't take action anymore. And so one of the first things that we're going to talk about here is like some different ways to take action and, and how momentum makes such a big difference. Once you start taking little steps and make those actionable steps smaller, then it's a lot easier to get where you want to go. And I've talked about that a lot is that you got to start small because if you start by like trying to take these huge action steps, it's overwhelming. And then you get petrified, you get froze, you get stalled, you can't move, right? And that's not what you want. You want to be able to keep moving forward because once you get momentum, taking action is a lot easier, okay? So let's rewind a little bit to, um, let's rewind a little bit back in my life so we can talk about a few things that happened to me and, and kind of some of the things that have caused me to learn how to take action better. So, um, 
well, let's let's rewind. Let's go. Let's go back. Let's go back a, quite a ways. Let's go back to uh, my first son was born. My second son was born. My wife and I were living in a trailer house on the property that we currently um, own and have our house on, and uh, we had goals and dreams to build a house. And so the only way to build a house or to make that happen is to take action, right? I, I had two options, and I know a lot of people who who have done this in their life. They buy a trailer house and they live in that trailer house and they raise a family exactly our size in that trailer house. And it's nothing against that at all. Like nothing wrong with that. It just wasn't the life that we wanted. We wanted to have a house. We wanted to own a house and we wanted to, we wanted to go through that process and, and have a bigger space for our family than that, than the trailer house that we were living in. And, and so we made that sacrifice when we bought that trailer house. We knew that it was short term. We knew that it was temporary, but the difference between me and a lot of people is is that I went out and I bought a I bought I bought several books for home designs. I bought like three or four different books at the time. They were probably like 20, 30 bucks a piece, which at the time was a lot of money for me for these books. And and they had probably a thousand floor plans in them each. And we started going through all these floor plans. And they had a spot, you know, the, the reason they sell these books is so that they can sell you a floor plan out of them. But <laughs> I, I'm an action taker. So I don't I didn't I didn't do that, right? I went through them. I didn't find a floor plan that I loved. Like I didn't find any floor plans that I loved. I found some that were really awesome. I found some that I really liked, but I really wanted to put several different pieces together in floor plans to make it work and really make it ours. Make it make it something that nobody else would have, number one, and number two, exactly what we wanted. And so what I did was the next step is is I went out and I I purchased a CAD program, a CAD program for drawing homes, drawing floor plans and blueprints and stuff like that. And it had to be simple, like I'm not I'm not a CAD designer. I'm pretty good with computers, don't get me wrong, but I didn't have the time. I was working 40 hours a week. I was working a full-time job, 40 or 50 hours a week. I was supporting my family. My wife was a stay-at-home mom, a homemaker, which is by far the hardest job in the world, in my opinion, because you never get a day off, and I just admire her for making the dedication to do what she did for our kids and for us and, and to take those sacrifices that she did. And... Um, I just, I just had to have something simple. So I did a lot, I did a lot of research and finally ended up buying like this $60 program. Again, it was a lot of money at the time for us. And we went out and we bought the $60 program and I started learning how to use it. And I built several different things off of it and started building floor plans and started learning how to do it. And I became an expert in this program. And uh, I don't even know what it was called. So I don't, don't even ask me. I can't tell you because I got no idea. I know that the software came in in the mail and uh, I put a CD-ROM in the computer and installed it on the hard drive. And it was not internet-based. It was nothing like that. I don't even know that we had internet at the time at the house. Um, but anyways, so I started designing our house. And I took I took the floor plans that we loved. And I was like, okay, so let's do this. And let's do this. And let's make it this size. And let's do this. And let's make the bedroom this big. And let's put this here. And let's do this here. And I had some things that I really wanted. And my Jenna had some things that she really wanted. And so we started building that stuff in there. And... And, and I could see the house come to life on the blueprints because I was taking action to build it. Jenna was kind of noticing from the outside that she couldn't really see it being built. Like we started digging the foundation for it and she goes, I just, I still can't see it. I can't see the house. And she couldn't see it until we had sheetrock on the walls, like in all honesty as to what it was going to look like and how it was going to be whenever we, you know, dug the basement and, and our house is, it's fairly large, but, um, She's like, man, I just, I don't know if it's big enough. I don't know if it's big enough. And it's like, yeah, I think, I think it'll be big enough. <laughs> 2,600 square feet per four. I think it'll be big enough. Um, but it, it's, it, we had to take action in order to get there. Right. And, and 
So our first action we took was was small. We're gonna buy books and start looking at floor plans, okay? And so and so we bought the books. We started looking at floor plans. And then the next action was was to get a CAD software and actually design what we wanted, okay? Then the next step after that was to get bids. And so we went to a bunch of different lumber companies to get bids for it because we wanted to build it ourselves. We didn't want to hire a contractor to do it. And so that was that was the next step. It was a it was a little bit bigger step. Each one gets a little bit bigger, gets a little bit bigger. And so we took it to them and we started talking about, you know, materials and what we wanted and stuff like that. And we made a bunch of little decisions as to how we were going to do it and what we were going to do. And we made those little decisions as we move forward. Like, are we going to do stucco or are we going to do um, siding? Are we going to do concrete walls or are we going to do wood framed walls? Are we going to do a full basement or a partial basement? Are we going to do a garage or no garage? And we just started making little decisions. Okay. And then as we grow forward, as we move forward after that, okay, so we've got the plans, we've got the cost. We know we can uh, well, we don't know if we can afford it yet or not. The next step is, is to see what permits are going to cost. So we go to the county and see what permits cost, and we apply for those. And then we start going to banks, and we start asking for loans so we can get a construction loan to build the house. And we had a whole bunch of obstacles there we had to cover and cross. But we had to take action in order to find those obstacles. And the more that we persevered, the easier it was to get through it. Finally, we found a bank that would finance us, being an owner build and being our age, we were really young. Nobody else really wanted to trust us or think that we were successful, but we finally had one bank that said, yes, we'll do it. And we were like, sweet. And so we got that approved. And then we had to go, you know, start the process of actually building the house, breaking ground. And we already had so much momentum going from what was going on. It was just a no-brainer to, you know, start digging the basement. And then it was an even bigger no-brainer to order the lumber and an even bigger no-brainer to order the concrete and an even bigger no-brainer to, you know, hire somebody to do the stucco and and it just, it all just, all these small actionable items that we took without even thinking about it, they just became action items that we took. And and it got us to our end goal, right? But if we, if we go back and think about it, what stalls most people from ever getting started is like, if they want to build a house, they look at the end product and they go, this is going to take me a year. This is going to take me $200,000. This is going to take me this much time, it's going to take me this much money, it's going to take me this and this and this and this and this, and they allow that that weight of those decisions to weigh on them so they don't ever actually take action. They don't break it down into pieces. They look at the big lump sum. Yes, if if I would have sat there and looked at the house and been like, okay, I, I got I to dig this and I got to do that and I got to call these 15,000 people and I got to deal with quotes and estimates from all these different people and I'm working a full-time job and I got to get permits and I got to go get water and I got to get sewer to permits and I got to get all tapped in and then I got to go do this and I got to go do that and I got to get these people involved in this and and I've got to get help so we can do all this and I've got to figure out all these prices. If I would have looked at it all as one big piece, I could have stalled, right? I would have never taken any action because it would have been too overwhelming. It would have been too overbearing and that's what that's what the majority of the world does, we sit there and we get too overwhelmed at something that's going on. I've been doing this for the last year with a master class that we're getting ready to launch. Like by the time this podcast comes out, we'll probably be launching this master class that's all about improving lives, right? And improving other people's lives and giving them security. But I've been scared to death to launch this for the last year. Why? Why have I not taken any action on it? Because I'm a wuss. No. Well, yes, right? I am a wuss. But no, that's not why. It's because. I was looking at the giant big picture of it. I opened this PowerPoint presentation that I was going to rebuild, and it was 120 slides long, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so many slides. How am I going to do this? 
But finally, I paused and I was like, okay, I'm going to start with the first slide. What's the title? All right, brainstorm titles. Okay, I got a title. What's the second slide? Okay, this is what we're going to do on the second slide. Okay, these are the limiting beliefs we're going to break. These are the things we're going to talk about. These are the topics we're going to go through in this. Oh, man, okay. And then all of a sudden, I'm into like the sales stack. And it's like, okay, whoo, got to reset. I went through all this, broke all these limiting beliefs in this presentation. I'm ready to go. Now I got to build the stack. I got to build the offer. I got to figure out what I'm going to give them that's going to provide so much value that they're going to have no choice but to say yes to this. And I'm telling you, like, this is a phenomenal phenomenal offer and I'm so excited to build it and I'm so excited to deliver it and I know it's going to change lives and like that's what incites me that's what gets me going but I've been spinning my wheels for a year over a year on this one project and not actually taking any action on it and get, guess how long it's taken me to build this project and and get it going once I started to take action on it once I started to take small steps less than a month Less than a month to build an offer that could easily make us seven figures in less than 30 days or seven figures in less than six months. Or it could turn into a to an eight-figure offer if we continue to expound it, right? Like it's unreal what opportunity is there whenever we take action. But when we look at the big picture of, of taking action, when we look at everything that's there, we never actually take that action. We never actually do it because it's so overwhelming. We feel the weight of that entire decision on our shoulders. Like I looked at it and, and the way I looked at it for a long time on this master class was that, oh my gosh, I have to build this 150 slide presentation. Then I have to go build a course behind it. Then I have to come up with an offer. And then I have to go like market it and I've got to pay for advertising and I've got to reach my audience and I've got to figure out who the audience is. And it like literally choked me. Right? Like if you could see me right now, I was just like choking myself without even thinking about it while I was thinking about all that stress that was coming on me. Right? Because it's so overwhelming. There's so much to do. How often does that happen to you? Right? When was the last time that you didn't take action because it seemed too big? Probably like earlier today. For me, it happens every single day. I don't take action on something because it seems overwhelming. It seems too big. It seems it seems like like it should never happen. I think about in the house that I live in right now, the house that my kids get to grow up in, the house that my wife and I get to raise our family in and host people in, would have never happened if I wouldn't have taken one small step by buying those books. If we wouldn't have taken one small step by talking about it before we bought those books. If we wouldn't have made one small step before that of saying, okay, we want a single level home. We want a ranch style home with a full basement. If we wouldn't have taken the option before that to actually say, I want a house. Right? Like it starts with small steps and you don't even see where it starts and then the ripple effect. And then as you continue to take action, they get bigger and bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden, you're building a house. You're building an empire. You're changing lives because you took action. And that's the key. Like that's the thing with leaders is like most leaders, they go out there and they want to take action. Most people want to take action. And the difference between a real leader and, and somebody who's an imposter or imposing as a leader, as a real leader, not, doesn't hesitate to take those small steps. They're not scared to talk. They're not scared to get out there and, and think about what's coming next. The imposter, I don't, I, don't, I don't like the word imposter. The person who's, who's not necessarily a real leader, they're just in that leadership position. They, they don't take action. They let other people take action for them. Or they follow after somebody else has taken action because they don't want to get blamed for it. They don't want to get, oh, this wasn't my idea. I didn't do this. Joe said we should do that. They're always looking for somebody to blame instead of, instead of taking that responsibility on themselves. And, and, and here's the thing. When things went wrong when we built the house, you know what I did? 
I didn't say, oh, the concrete company didn't order, didn't send us enough concrete. No. I said, hey, can I get a cleanup truck? Yeah, I need seven yards. I know it's a giant cleanup, but can you give me seven yards? I know it's a Saturday, and I know it's late in the afternoon. Can you do it anyways? Because I need seven yards to finish this pour. And they're like, yeah, no, we'll totally do it. Send you another truck. Yeah, we're going to bill me for it, but who cares, right? Like, I got what I need to get the job done, but I had to take action. Okay? And so that's the big thing that I want to talk about today is, like, you can't make anybody else take action, ever, ever. I've learned that throughout my entire life. I've tried so often and so hard to get other people to take action. I've been like, oh, man, you could totally learn how to do this. You could totally do this. I've got a guy on my team right now, and it's kind of funny. He's been on my team for a while. Absolutely love the guy. He's phenomenal. Um, and, and recently, he's been uh, – so he's always loved to write. He always loves to write. And, uh, and one of the things he's been doing recently is, like, helping me to write copy. And if you don't know what copy is, copy is like writing. Well, it is writing. <laughs> <laughs> copy is like writing, but for the real world, okay? So you throw all the collegiate and high school and educational crap you learned out the window. Get rid of it. And it's super informal, and it and it works on emotions, and you're talking to people. It's like having a conversation with them, but in writing. So it's no longer talking at them, it's talking to them. That's what copy is, and that's the best way I can explain copy. I do a whole podcast and blog and everything else on copy, but... That's literally what it is, and, and I have to laugh because two years ago, or a year ago, I had him write a blog. It was like a year ago about this time. He's like, oh, man, I love writing. I was like, sweet, write a blog. Let me check it out, and he wrote me a blog, and it was like super collegiate. It was very much structured, long, por- long paragraph format. It was, it, was, it was bulky. He used a lot of big words in it. Um, he tried to sound smart by using big words and stuff like that, and I came back, and I was like, dude, this is awesome, but we need to change it. <laughs> and I remember after telling him that, he just got super deflated. And he's like, really? I just poured my heart and soul into this, and you're telling me it's not good enough? And I was like, no, it's great, but it's not copy. It's it's collegiate. It's not real world. Do you, do you really want to read this? If I gave this to you, would you want to read it? And he was like, yeah, this is what I want to read. And I was like, okay, then you read it. I'm going to rewrite it. And we're going to see which one you like better, yours or mine. So I took his and I went and I changed all the spacing and I changed some of the words and I got rid of all the big words and I made them. I did, I did a whole bunch of, uh, uh, Russell Brunson calls them kind of like bridges. So when you got a really big word, you use, oh, it's kind of like this, right? And then you explain what it is in, in more easy uh, terminology. I've done it like three or four times during this podcast, whether you realize it or not. Have you caught them? Maybe, maybe not. Well, keep listening. I bet I do another one before it's over because <laughs> I use them a lot. I use them in like every single story whenever I get to a word that's big. Anyways, so so we went through it and I rewrote it and I gave it to him. And I sent it to him. I was like, okay, bud, read them both. Tell me which one you want to read. Like, I, I Actually, my first said was, I said, I said, don't even read them. Open an email. Tell me which one you want to read after you look at them. And he opened mine and he's like, I want to read yours. I said, why? He goes, because it doesn't look as long and daunting. I was like, okay, perfect. Guess what? It's actually 500 more words than yours is. And he was like, wait, what? I said, yeah, check out the word count on the bottom of the page. His was like 1,500 and mine was like 2,000 words. I was like, you wanted to read mine even though it's longer. But because of the spacing, because of the aesthetics of it, because it looks, that's why you wanted to read it. Anyways, the, then, then he started reading mine. And he's like, oh, man, yours was like a conversation. I loved it. It was like so fun to read mine. He's like, I reread mine, and it was like reading a textbook. It sucked. I hated it. And I was like, yeah, I learned a lot, but I didn't actually want to read it. I read it because I had to. Because I felt like I had to because I wrote it. And I was like, see, so that's the difference between copy and collegiate writing. 
But anyways, that's for a whole nother thing. My whole, where I was going with all this was was that to begin with, I couldn't convince him that writing copy, that he'd be good at writing copy. I couldn't convince him to take action to get better at writing copy. I tried and tried and tried and tried and tried. I was like, man, sign up for these emails. Man, read this book. Man, do this, do this. I even gave him books to read, right? And I'll bet money on it. He has one sitting on his windowsill that I gave him about selling the ultimate sales machine by Chet Holmes. And I will bet money on it. He's maybe opened it once, if that, because I gave it to him. He didn't want it. He didn't invest in it, right? It was something that Somebody gave him that he wasn't sure he wanted. Now, will he read it? Yes. I guarantee that he will read it at some point. And he's going to be like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. I love this book. It's changed my world on selling. Right? But my point of all this is, is that you can't make somebody else take action. You've heard that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Well, that is the God's honest truth. Right? I can lead people to action. I can start to give them options to start moving forward. I can help them start taking those small steps. I can show them, I can lead by example on how to take small steps, but I can't actually make them take a step. I can't do any of that and neither can you. And you have to realize that you're not gonna be able to make somebody else take any kind of action. They have to wanna take that, it has to be on their own. It has to be something that they wanna do for them. And once they figure out that they can do it for them, then it's not gonna be an issue. Then you're gonna be like, oh yeah, I totally get that. Oh, and then they're going to be like, oh, man, thanks so much for helping me. And you're going to start changing lives because you convinced them to take action. And, and so really, there's a few things that I want to do today. And, and I've talked a lot about like taking action and why it's so important to take action. And, and, you know, I did the same thing with this podcast. Did you realize that I wanted to start this podcast like two years ago? <laughs> yeah, I went to a conference and they said, start a podcast. And I was like, I should totally do that. And then I'd record an episode and be like, oh, that sucked. And then one day I recorded like five episodes and I was like, oh man, those all suck. And then the next day I recorded like, or the next week or month later, I recorded, you know, like five more episodes. I've recorded like over 50 podcast episodes and never published one of them. 50, 50 pieces of content, over 50 pieces of content that I never published because I refused to take action. I thought I was taking action, but I couldn't get to the next step because it was too daunting. It's too, oh, I don't know how to publish a podcast. Oh, it's too, I'd love to publish one, but I don't know how to do it. Oh, I'd love to do this, but I don't know how to do it. Oh, I'd love to do this, but I can't, I, I don't have the skills. Oh, my voice doesn't sound right. Oh, this and that and that. And, and honestly, like the truth is, is like, you don't want to know this, but it is so freaking easy to make a podcast. I get to sit here and talk to you through a microphone from the comfort of my house, staring out the window. There could be snow on the ground. it could be sunny. I'm comfortable inside, Right. I'm sitting here recording this through a freaking awesome microphone that I got to buy because I was making a podcast, <laughs> right? And then on top of all that, I, I, it's so simple to publish it. Like I literally upload it, put a tag in there and, and do my thing. And then I had somebody tied to our website. Check out our website, eclipse-dot.com slash podcast. And you'll go right to our podcast page on our website, which is awesome. I love it. So huge shout out to Haley for that. Absolutely love the fact that she's helps us out so much with our websites. And um, and then like, it, like to get it published everywhere, I was like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be so hard to get it published on Apple and Google and Spotify and Amazon and all these other, this is gonna take me forever and I can't do it. And that's what I used to think. And guess what? I went and did it. How long do you think it took me to publish our podcast? I published like 25 platforms or 15 platforms or some crap like that. I can't remember how many it was. It was a lot. It was like way more than five. It was like 15 or 17 platforms. And, um, and I published to them in less than 30 minutes. And now I don't ever have to publish to them again because it automatically picks it up from what's called an RSS feed. 
Crazy, right? Crazy. But I got stalled on the action for two years because I allowed it to overwhelm me. I stopped taking small bites and started to go to eat the whole table, right? Eat the whole table. You wouldn't understand that analogy. I'll have to explain it to you. But that's for another podcast. Remind me at some point and I'll tell you about the table podcast, the table analogy, and you'll totally get it. But I, I, I was too focused on, on the big picture instead of breaking it down into bite-sized pieces, right? And as soon as I broke it down into bite-sized pieces and I stopped looking at the big picture, guess what? I had a podcast recorded. I, I, made, I made a description for what I wanted to do. I come up with like 10 names and I selected the one that I liked the most. And then I, then I selected, then I sat down and I wrote the intro to it. And then I found music to put to the intro. And then I was like, oh yes, this is what I'm going to do. And I did it. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to record the first episode. And I recorded the first episode. And I re-recorded the first episode <laughs> because I didn't like it, right? And, and then I was like, screw it, I'm publishing it. Even if it sucks, I'm going to publish it. So I published it. And then I got great feedback. And, and I know, like right now, I suck. I get that. I haven't been doing this very long. I've only got like 16, 17 episodes recorded. I know that I suck at podcasts. It's going to be like around episode 50 or 60 that I finally find my voice and I like relax in front of the microphone and I relax it and I start killing it. And it's going to be from episode 50 to 5,000 is where it's going to shine and where it's going to grow. And everybody's going to go back and they're going to be like, oh man, I listened to your first episodes. They sucked. I'm going to be like, yeah, but guess what? I took action and then I got better. So if we don't take action, we can't ever improve. If we don't take action, we can't build a house. If we don't take action, we can't build a business. If we don't take action, we can't change the world. Do you, do you think that any business started because somebody didn't take action? Do you think that anybody ever got elected to an office because they didn't take action? Do you think that a town ever got started because somebody didn't take action? Do you think you have food in your fridge because somebody didn't take action? No. Everything happens because somebody took action. And so today, I want to encourage you to take action. Not only by sharing this podcast, if you enjoyed it. Not only by liking it and subscribing to it. But also by getting out there and doing something you've been scared to do. Think about something and then chunk it into bite-sized pieces and start small. Whatever it is, do it. If it's calling that, that person, if it's, if it's walking across the room to say hi to that girl in the other office and you're both single, right? If it's, if it's saying hi to the person walking down the street, if it's being more friendly, if it's smiling more, if it's if it's forgiving somebody that you haven't forgiven in forever that hurt you or wronged you or shamed you or whatever, take that action today to make it happen. Start with that. And I pray that every single one of you take this advice to heart and that you start taking small action steps and just one small one every single day to move you towards your goal. And then all of a sudden, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be like flying your airplane to see customers. Because you took small action item steps to get there. Which totally happened this week for me. And it was totally freaking awesome. I like showed up and I had a whole new level of presence when I showed up there. Because they're like, oh yeah, when would you get in? I was like, like 10 minutes ago. I just landed and walked over here. And they're like, wait, you landed at that airport? I was like, yeah, I landed at that airport. I got a little twin engine Cessna. And they were like, oh my gosh. And all of a sudden they all just were like, oh, this guy knows what he's doing. <laughs> Anyways. My point is, is you've got to take action in order to get where you want to go. If you don't take any action, you never have anything. And you can't make somebody else take action. 
you have to do it yourself and you got to break it into bite-sized pieces. Don't look at the big picture. Don't look at the big picture at all. Look at the fact that you can take action and that one small step every day gets you a step closer to your end result. And that's all that matters. All right, guys, that's it. Hope you have a great day. Remember, like the podcast, share it, tag me personally in it. Tag me either on Facebook or Instagram. Man, even on LinkedIn, I'm on all three of those platforms. Even on Twitter, believe it or not. I don't do much with it, but I'm there. But anyways, like like the podcast, subscribe to it, tag it, and comment. Shoot me some feedback. I'd love to hear what you guys got going on, what you're thinking. We'll chat soon. Later. Later.